Welcome to Legislative Breakdown. It's a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Gary Moncrief, Boise State University political science professor. He spends all his spare time studying legislatures around the country, including Idaho's. And in this podcast, we break down the Idaho legislature, what's happening, drilling down into the why and the how it all affects you. So this week, we thought we'd take a look at taxes because you're probably thinking about taxes. And if you aren't, you probably should be because the Idaho legislature is thinking a lot about taxes with a whole lot of tax bills. Now, before we get started, we should take you back in time. Remember the state of the state with Governor Butch Otter on the very first day of the Idaho legislature. He had this to say about taxes. So I will gladly join you in reducing individual and corporate income tax rates with an eye towards stimulating more economic growth. But that must be accomplished while keeping our fiscal house in order and our investments for the future on track. To make that possible, I will be proposing a plan to enable Idaho's substantial conformance with the new federal tax code without putting state revenues or the Idaho taxpayers at risk. So a couple of important concepts there, cutting taxes and making sure we still have enough money in the budget of the state to pay for everything. At least that's the idea. So Otter came up with a bill which has been moving its way through the legislature. That's 463. It's a $200 million tax cut plan. It would do all kinds of things, uh, including conform to recent changes to the federal tax code and cut uh, taxes both for Ooh, personal income and corporate tax rates. Right. And boy, that's a big one. So where are we now? We've got all these bills going on. We've got all this stuff going on with taxes. Gary, take it away. <laughs> so I want to start this discussion with one of my favorite quotes. This is actually a quote from uh, a guy who was a journalist in Olympia and followed the Washington state legislature for many years, a guy named Eric Smith. And the quote is this. He said, it just isn't in the legislature's nature to think beyond lunchtime. Now, that's a great quote. It's a great quote for a couple of reasons. First of all, it's kind of funny. Uh, (laughs) And secondly, it points out the fact that legislatures have a really hard time thinking long term. It's just not in their nature. They're not built that way. I'm reminded also of a, of a line from John Rushi, who was the former House Minority Leader in Idaho a couple of years ago. He said, each legislature lives in a two-year world. I think we have a real problem with long-term thinking and analyzing long-term effects. And that's absolutely true. That's not some kind of slam just on the Idaho legislature. It's true of all legislatures. It's especially true of a legislature like Idaho's that has a two-year electoral cycle for both the House and Senate. Because everybody's elected for two years. Exactly. Everybody's elected for two years. That's the time frame in which they tend to be thinking. Legislatures, and I think it's pretty clear by now, Samantha, that you and I both really enjoy legislatures. I think they're one of the most fascinating human inventions around. There's a lot of warts to them. But there's also a lot of interesting things about them. You know, one of the things that's not good about them, I suppose, is that they're simply not designed to think about big picture things very well. Everyone in the legislature is elected for a specified period of time, two years in Idaho, and from a small piece of the state. Nobody in the legislature is elected from the state as a whole. So there is a perspective in the legislature that is 
I don't want to say parochial, but I guess I will say it. That's kind of the term that I think we're, we're stuck with here because of the way the electoral system is designed. Moreover, legislatures have to deal with some very complex issues, none more complex than the budget situation. So back in the first or second podcast, we referred to the budget in Idaho as something of a Rubik's Cube. And we talked about the fact that there's lots of moving parts there that have to be fit together. And this year in particular, I think, is especially difficult and for a whole range of reasons. And don't forget, Idaho, by constitutional mandate, has to have a balanced budget every year. That's right. In fact, that's one of the reasons that we want to talk about here. So here's a set of reasons that make this year especially complicated. First of all, we have a new federal tax law. That tax law is going to have huge consequences, not only for taxpayers who are paying their federal taxes, but also for states and for local governments. And we simply do not know all the ramifications yet. One of the things we're seeing with a couple of the tax bills in Idaho right now is trying to project what those ramifications are going to be and adjusting. Well, this is important, again, because it affects not only how much you pay in taxes, so that affects every single person in Idaho who who pays taxes. But again, as we said, it affects how much money, as we try and figure out how much money is going to be available to pay for stuff like roads and schools and and all that stuff. That's exactly right. And that's why the uh, Governor Otter mentioned a tax reduction because that's a good thing generally, but that we want to maintain that we keep our fiscal house in order. What he was saying there is, hey, this is a complicated situation we've got going here, and, and we have a lot of unknown knowns at this point, I suppose. And we should point out that last year, Otter vetoed the grocery tax repeal because he said it would take too much money out of those state coffers at a time when we weren't sure what's going on. Right. That's right. So we've got the federal tax law. We also have a recently adopted congressional budget deal. That's all we know at this point. We know basically what the overall budget numbers are going to look like. We know that it's going to increase the deficit The devil is in the details, and we don't know what those details are at this point. So Uh, where do we go from here? Well, most analysts expect Medicaid is going to get moved to a block grant sometime in the next couple of years, and that means almost certainly less overall funding. And then let's throw in a couple of other aspects here. One is most economists anticipate an economic downturn fairly soon. We are in one of the longest periods of economic growth in history in the United States, And those things tend to end. They tend to be cyclical. And most economists think we are probably going to go into some kind of at least mild recession sometime in the next couple of years. So lots of things out there, lots of moving parts. Meanwhile, the economy in Idaho is going quite well, thank you. And so there's lots of efforts by many people to address tax relief in the state of Idaho. Certainly, we've got Otter's proposal here. To do so, the two hundred million dollars two hundred million dollars. There's another three or four out there that are variations on that, one way or another. Some bigger, some smaller. One which would include the grocery tax repeal uh, component into that. So now we have another bill that's been introduced, House Bill five sixty one, which a lot of people seem to be quite taken with. We actually have uh, Representative Jason Monks. He was explaining this uh, particular bill to some of his fellow lawmakers. What this does is if we have a revenue growth year over year that is in excess of 6 percent, 
we will take one-tenth of a percent off of all brackets in the individual income tax rate and a tenth off of the corporate tax rate. That's the basis of what it does. And here he is defending that bill. He, he got uh, a little bit of uh, concern from uh, Matt Erpelding, who's worried about funding for transportation and education. And here's what Monk said. So we're looking at about a $36 million um, reduction if the state receives over $200 million in new revenue for a given year, which ultimately results in a positive to the uh, general funds of about $165 million. So um, kind of an interesting way of looking at a tax reduction when um, state actually receives more money that year, um, and yet the, uh, the taxpayers get a break as well. So what's wrong with that? Well, on the surface, I don't think anything's wrong with it. I mean, there's a kind of logic to that, and I think uh, a lot of people are attracted to that. I wouldn't mind getting some income tax reduction when the state economy is doing well. Who wouldn't? Exactly. But let's go back to that original notion, which is that each legislature lives in a two-year world. We have a real problem with long-term thinking and analyzing long-term effects. What we've just done here, Samantha, is – present a case for a whole bunch of other things that are going on right now, and we don't know what the overall consequences of all of those things are going to be two years, three years, four years down the road. Meanwhile, the governor has his bill there which says, hey, here's a tax reduction that I think we can afford, but let's not go too deep with this at this point because we need to keep our fiscal house in order. And the reason he's concerned about the fiscal house keeping it in order is because we've got all these other things that we've just discussed. We don't know what the total consequences of those are. It's almost certain that we're going to see less federal aid coming to the states in the next few years and for a long term thereafter. And states are going to have to make some serious decisions about what they're going to do at that point. Are they going to reduce services or are they going to try to find the revenue? And so some people would argue, let's don't jump into this too quickly at this point until we know what the political ramifications, what the fiscal ramifications are. Now, there's a lot of states that I think it's it's fair to say they are facing a fiscal storm in the next few years because of what we just laid out and because their budgets are already not in very good shape. There are some states out there with nothing in their rainy day funds. There are states out there that have some very serious structural problems in regard to their retirement, their pension funds. Idaho is very fortunate. We're not in that shape right now. We've got some money in the stabilization fund. We've got a very well set up pension fund at this point that's almost fully funded. I think the prudent thing to do right now is to continue putting money in that budget stabilization fund until we reach the maximum allowed. And then in the next year or two, we can think about some of these other aspects. And we've got all of these going on at the same time, and we don't know yet for sure which of these bills is going to come out on top. That's right. And, and there's more. I mean, there's even other things going on, one of which is an effort on the part of Representative Clow and Representative Moyle to finally get Idaho on board with getting more of the Internet sales tax money. This is actually on the flip side. Here's a case where states are looking at a way to increase their revenue, and this is kind of running upstream on this one. Is there a danger? Do we see a real danger here of, of not having enough money to, to operate Idaho? 
Well, I don't think we have that danger in the immediate, you know, immediately. I think we're fine in the next fiscal year or so. But until we know how the federal tax plan all shakes out, until we know what Congress does with its budget, until we know exactly what the plan is in terms of infrastructure and in terms of Medicaid in particular and whether it's going to go to a block grant, I would be, want to be fairly cautious about protecting the revenues that are there at this point. Legislative Breakdown is a podcast from Boise State Public Radio. I'm Samantha Wright with Boise State political science professor Gary Moncrief. Our original music comes from local artist and composer Will Hall of the bands Nude Dude and Like of the Dog. If you like this podcast, tell a friend and spread the word or shout out about it on Twitter and Facebook. And remember, it's your legislature. Legislature.